Blog Talk Radio. Aha. I, I waited for the introduction. <laughs> Boy, I looks like I feel like my own producer today. A little practice recently, and I think Dennis. Hello. You're there. I'm here. I'm living, willing, and able. I love it. Thank you so much for doing this. Let me give you an introduction. And I, I only hope to do half as good as what you did for me a couple of weeks ago. But anyway, oh, this is Dennis Worth. He's a father's rights activist for a child's right to share both parents equally. He's currently filming a movie for release on Amazon Prime on the subject with a director who's won a multitude of film festivals and movies shown at comic cons across the country. He was also the creator and host of the podcast, Funny Like a Clown. And I was blessed to be on there. Also the owner of Joke in the Box Comedy Clubs and has worked with the biggest names in comedy. He's performed in New England, New York, L.A., Vegas, and Alaska. Also, former host of the award-winning local television show, The Comedy Kitchen. And I was also proud to be a guest on that a couple of times. So, Dennis, I'll, I'll leave it over to you now. You must have a lot on your mind. Wow, it sounds a lot better when you say it than when I do, Tom. You make me sound really good there. That's great. Oh, thank you for having me on. You were a great guest, and I hope to be a great guest for you also. Yeah, we had fun, did we not? Yes, we did indeed. So, you know, well, well, first of all, I didn't know this. I think I did, you know, in our past. I think you had mentioned something about the father's right thing, and um, I want to really, I can't wait to... Um, you know, start talking about that because I could go on forever. Um, we uh, w- let's talk about the comedy part. You know, I'm going to throw it back to you. You you started. I'm extremely impressed at the uh, all the promo and uh, sponsorship and everything else. Everybody knows that podcasts are huge these days. So, and, and what observing you and observing um, your First of all, desire to have a comedy cooking show. You you went to your local cable station. I mean, this stuff takes a lot of work. Podcasts take a lot of work. So, and you know, and I always look for uh, the the layers of things. What is it underneath? What are the causes? What prompts somebody to move out of the the norm? Let's face it. Most people uh, come onto the planet. They get a job. <laughs> They do the job, and God knows what they do with the rest of their time. And then there are people who are motivated, inspired to go the extra mile. And from everything that you do, you do that. You're an extra mile. Let's call you an extra miler. What is that? Sure. What, what is that thing within you that says um, that that wants to do that? Uh, well, you know, there's two ways you can go in life. You can either uh, let things break here, or can, you can use it as fuel to fuel you on to do bigger things. I try to, you know, instead of getting too down about things, I try to use it as fuel to twist it into something positive. And unlike today's generation, I'm not afraid of some hard work. If you want to get ahead in life, you gotta you got to work hard. There's no easy routes where, uh, you know, I, I book a lot of big shows and a lot of the young comics, they just want you to hand it to them on a silver platter. And I try to tell them, nobody handed it to me. I had to work for it. You got to work for it too. So, um. Well, I guess I'll go back to the beginning. I mean, I always loved stand-up comedy growing up, and I never knew how to get started. It ain't like you put in a job application. How do you become a stand-up comic? So uh, I checked my mail one night. I got a uh, pamphlet from the local college, and one of the night courses was Introduction to Stand-Up Comedy. 
So I signed up for that. I thought, never dreamed that a million years anything would become of it. I thought, you know, years from now I'd look back and say, yeah, ha, ha, I tried comedy. Uh, I took the class with a mutual friend of ours, Jerry Caruso, great guy, great teacher. Uh, you know, in the class he said, you know, you talk about the real-life stuff, it's much more funny than any, anything you could make up. So, you know, he asked us, you know, what's our real-life stuff? And I was just going through a really bitter divorce at the time, and I could see how it was affecting my child negatively, and unfortunately the courts are set up to protect the mother, and there wasn't much I could do about it. I, I saw the whole system was just tearing everything apart, and it was just... It was killing me, and I found through comedy a way, you know, to laugh at the situation rather than let it drive me crazy. So all the effort I put in is, uh, you know, that that's that's keeping my mind occupied on something rather than, you know, letting it drive me crazy. I'm trying to do something positive and try to change the system. Um, so I came up with a character. Uh, my first comedy routine ever was called uh, The Child Support Superhero, where I do references. <laughs> You know, where, yeah, Superman's kind of got it made, and the child support superhero ain't got much money to do much. So, uh, and I'll tell you, the character just kind of took on a life of its own. It really became the most popular routine I had, and you think I'm kidding, I'm not. I mean, it was almost, not everyone, but almost every comedy show I did, I'd do the routine, and after the show, I'd have somebody just chasing me down in the parking lot saying, dude, wait up, I want to tell you my story. And everybody wanted to tell me their story of how they were getting screwed by family law, too. And some of these stories were just blowing my mind, the gross unfairness these parents were, were going through. And, and, you know, every time I heard a story, I said, that's it. That's that's the worst story I'm ever going to hear. And sure enough, somebody had come up with a worse one. And my mind was being blown. So uh, I created a page on Facebook for the Child Support Superhero. And it got a moderate reaction at first. Uh, then one day I posted one post, and the post just went viral, okay? Now, get this, it hit 3.5 million people on Facebook. Now, I don't even know how many people are in the world, but 3.5 million is a heck of a lot of people. Uh, the post, it was a guy I just found. He was holding a piece of paper. It said, uh, three to four parents commit suicide each week due to child access issues, and it just went nuts. Uh, out of that going viral, I got 17,000 followers on the page. So now every time I post something from the page, I hit between five and 50,000 people see my posts. So that's uh, an amazing tool I have at my disposal to, uh, you know, reach people and get my message out there. So um, with the comedy and, you know, the child support superhero, the, the routine, uh, we started filming a movie where... You know, I notice if, if, you know, you, you start, you want to get your message across to people. Some will listen, some won't. Some will listen for a few minutes. You know, your friends will listen for a while. Say, yeah, yeah, that's Dennis just complaining again. But if I tell it to them a humorous way, if I start to make them laugh, now they want to listen. They'll listen to me longer. They want to get educated. So I use comedy while I'm making you laugh. I'm also educating you on the subject. So uh, I got together with a friend of mine who's kind of hit it big in the film industry. I met him. I did a small part for him in a short film he did before he got popular, but he agreed to help me out, and he's a very talented kid, Adam Griswold. Um, you know, he, he can do magic with films, I'll tell you. You wouldn't believe this guy's work. Google it. So we're filming a movie about the child support superhero where it's a comedy. It'll make you laugh, but at the same time, it's going to educate you on the subject of family law and the gross injustice that's going on in the country. And... Um, we got off to a good start here. We started filming the outside scenes. I figured we'd do those first to be safe with the pandemic, and then possibly by the time, you know, we could do the indoor scenes, things would get better. But they didn't get better. They got worse, as we all know. So 
we're having trouble getting the indoor scenes done, but uh, we're working at it slowly but surely. Wow. Uh, <laughs> there's so much there I want to pick apart. Hey, first of all, <laughs> uh, it, seems, it seems that you uh, – are you uh, holding the phone in different uh, positions? Because at some points it really comes uh, full face and it's really clear – um, sometimes it feels like it's held back a little bit. Are you doing anything different with the yeah, phone? Yeah, no, I got to sit right in front of me. I keep hearing some squealing, but I, don't, I think that's on your end, not mine. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, if all of it's good, but that sometimes it really gets really good. Um, all so, right, turn the phone this way. Maybe that'll be better. Yeah, okay. So, again, I'm going to come back to, I'm just curious, there's um, – you know, there's there's something. I mean, do you have a question? I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to find your your hot point. What is it that uh, gives you the sizzle? You know, we'll we'll bring it back to comedy. There's you you're not content to just do enough. You um, and so you you took the class. You and let's face it. I mean, talk about uh, uh, talk about a little bit. Not just having the desire, but learning how to do comedy that that whole hurdle that it takes an extra uh, you know talk about a superhero it takes a supreme effort to overcome the rejection and um and the the, the exposure you know you're, you're bearing your soul to the public looking for approbation so again what do you think it is that that moves you to do this stuff um, you know, it's a good, it's a good, you know, if I don't do it, it probably, you know, it probably drive me crazy, you know? So yeah, okay, like, good. You know, now we're getting somewhere. So, yeah. Uh, so you know, we, I mean, if, if I, if I didn't get this off my chest, I'd probably be the next dad hanging from a rope. Like we talked about the suicide rates there. So it, it keeps me occupied. It's a passion of mine. So rather than yeah, let it drive me right. nuts and bring me down, I try to bring myself up by educating people. Well, yeah. And I think that, you know, I totally get it with the, but the thing is, you you did your comedy, but then you did more than comedy. You decided that you'd take your background as a as a chef, and you would use cable TV to create a program to bring more comedians on. So most comedians won't go that far. They don't see that. And, and yeah, here, well, go ahead. Well, you know, as I do, comedy is a tough business. Okay, there's circles in comedy, and you know, everybody has their circle they're in. And if you're in that circle, you can't be in the other circle. If you work for that guy, you can't work for this guy. It's it's really childish, but that's the way it is, whether you like it or not. So I was always the kind of guy where, you know, it's like, uh, can I get into your comedy club? No, I can't get into your comedy club. All right, well, then I'll start my own comedy club. It was, you know, can I get on your TV show? No, you can't. You're not in a circle. All right, well, I'll start my own comedy TV show. So it was more. The rejection kind of fueled me. It's like, all right, you don't want to let me on, I'll put you out of business. How's that? So, I mean, that was kind of the attitude I took. All right, you don't want me to be on your radio show, I'll start my own radio show. No, The rejection is kind of motivation, too, you know? Yeah. Well, again, you know, uh, this is good because, you know, I, 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 I guess I've, I slip a little bit because I, I, I entitled my podcast Upbeat. Um, and like you, it's you know it's tough these days being upbeat because there's not a lot of upbeat going on. It's downbeat, but um, you know it, it, what you're what you're talking about is you um, you have enough of a spirit within you that you when you want to do something, you're you're not going to let the objections or the 
uh, disadvantages get to you. You, 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 and you know what I call, I stumbled on something recently with all of the craziness that's going on right now and people all of a sudden adopting these, uh, (laughs) these crusades and everything. And everybody wants to tell you, you know, they put placards on their lawns, you know, this is what I, and then I, and so I started to say, wait a minute. And the thing that really started to blow my mind is that people, you know, all of a sudden they want to crusade. And, and it's like the the, the the traditional concept of crusade. They want to go to the Holy Land and fight and conquer the infidels. And so people will approach <laughs> you with this and want to start a fight. And, you know, a lot of times I just say, well, listen, I'll go with you. But then I, I, I started to develop a criteria. I said, what is your mindset? And uh, because you have to have a certain mindset. So I would ask people, do you see the world? How do you see the world? What's your worldview? What is your world mindset? Do you see the world as a platform for opportunity? Do you see the world as a place where you can create things? Or do you see, uh, do you see the world as a, as, as a place of abundance? Or do you see it as scarce? Do you see it as evil? Do you see it? How do you perceive it? And what is your role in it? How do you perceive yourself? And I guess that's what I'm getting at here. Um, do you see yourself as a, as a game changer? Do you see yourself as somebody who resists the status quo? And that's what I'm getting from you, is that you see the world, I think, I, I'm not going to speak for you, but I think you see the world as a place, an opportunity to express yourself through comedy, through film, through, um, you know, a cause. And you also see yourself as empowered to do it. So why don't you comment on that? Well, yeah, you know, Babe Ruth had a comment, you know, it's it's tough to beat a person that never gives up, okay? I expect to have my failures along the way, but if I never get up, I'll get to my goal eventually. So that's a lot of people, you know, they they get kicked down and they quit. So you're never going to get nowhere by quitting. Um, You know, how do I see the world, Uh, you know? Who, who's changed things, you know? I mean, everybody looks at, you know, great presidents. Well, they weren't always presidents. One day they were regular people like me and you. I mean, somebody has to start and lead the way. And I said, you know, the, the, the family law, they're making so much money off of family law. It's such a crooked system. It'll never be solved in our lifetime. But, you know, if we set the stages for future generations to solve the problem. So I'm just trying to do my part and, uh, uh, you know, uh, get my message out there. I mean, somebody has to to lead the way why not me so i mean i'm certainly doing my part and i'm uh trying to spread awareness uh, i brought up you know uh you know at one point slavery existed in this country today we, it, it blows our mind that that even existed but at that time it was a problem well how did that get solved uh, there was an awareness that every man was created equal you know uh at one time women weren't allowed to vote in this country you know today we look at that as ridiculous obviously they should vote but how did they solve that problem well, awareness was the key well if we're going to solve the problem of family law, awareness is the key. And it all starts with people like me and you. Everybody thinks, you know, it's going to start with the other guy. It's going to start with you. Well, no, it don't start with the other guy. It starts with you. So if I can get my message across, then, um, you know, I'm certainly going to put everything into it because I'm very passionate about it because, you know, I can't be a part of my child's son right now. I'm a victim of parental alienation. He hasn't uh, spoken to me or my side of the family in over seven years because of all the garbage his mother put in his head. So uh, all the time I would be spending with my son, instead I, I spend that trying to spread awareness so no other father has to go through the hell I've been through. Good for you. That's <laughs> you know because uh, Dennis, what we're seeing, don't you think we're seeing? I mean, I want to take 
not only in an individual, but we're seeing in a society. I mean, there seems to be a real passion for victimization, a real passion to be a victim, a real passion to bear the cross that, oh, my God, this life has been unfair. Society's been unfair. Uh, I'm a victim. and, and with <laughs> Everybody's that, a victim that, nowadays. So you obviously, Dennis, what I'm getting at, you are not, you have been victimized. But you well, I don't feel like the victim. I feel like victim. he's the one paying the biggest price, not me. You know, I mean, I'm an adult. I couldn't even handle the situation anymore. I can only imagine him as a child. You know, I, I can see it was just an unbearable situation we were put in. And right. Family law, as long as they're making money, they, they don't care. They're making billions. It's not right. a million dollar year, it's a billion dollar year industry. Right. Well, and the thing is, is you, you took up the sword. You, um, you didn't lie down. You didn't, unfortunately, those people who are killing themselves, you didn't do that. And, you know, do you see some of this as, uh, as almost, uh, you know, I've come to, I've come to believe in destiny a lot, that uh, we have a certain path. And do you ever, I mean, when, whenever you identify with a higher power or a higher cause, your, your power becomes incredible. And I'm looking at you saying, I think that I get the feeling that you really came to the planet this time to, to take up these causes. Yeah, I mean, I truly believe in my heart, you know, children deserve both of their parents equally. I mean, uh, you know, I often, you know, I mean, I'm sure I do my stand-up routine. I'm making people laugh. I'm educating people, of course. Now, if I look at it through my son's eyes, he probably, you know, I tell a lot of jokes about dealing with my ex. He probably don't like me telling jokes about his mother. So, uh, you know, but, I mean, if I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't, I mean, he's programmed to hate me no matter what I do. So, you know, I'm going to get my message across. And, you know, I mentioned the page and I mentioned the show, you know, these people chasing me down after shows and they're looking for advice from me uh, on the Facebook page. I have young kids message me all the time, dude, I thought I was alone. I didn't even know a page like this existed. I, no, you're far from alone. We're here for you. So, I'm, you know, I'm certainly helping out a lot of people who have been through the ringer like I have. So What is the page again? Repeat it, please. The Child Support Superhero. Okay, great. Great. So anybody out there who's listening, and I hope a lot of you are listening because, uh, you know, I uh, – Though I didn't deal with the it to the extreme that you did, I dealt with it, and um, yeah. and uh, yeah. <laughs> excuse me. And I developed a good chunk of my material uh, about the divorce. And you're right; it it uh, the beauty of comedy, it's healing. You want to talk about the healing part of comedy? Oh sure, they say laughter is the best medicine. I mean, if I didn't find comedy, you know. Jerry taught me in his class how to deal with my pain through comedy, how to, you know, this is so far past ridiculous, I'm just going to laugh about it. And, you know, and I, I, I told Jerry before, I, I think God was in the works that I found you, because if I didn't find a way to laugh about it, it, it would have drove me insane, and I probably would have been the next, next statistic. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I see the good I'm doing, I see I'm making a difference, and that's the, the passion for me to keep going. Yeah, again, that's I, I'm glad you mentioned you know, meeting Jerry. You started, you know, what I try to do with Upbeat and every day of my life is tell people, if you really look below the surface, you're going to find that you came here for a reason. Again, that mindset, the, the world, for all it's good or bad, the world is the world. Life is life. 
and you can decide to do either what you're doing. And this is why I think, you know, this is, you're so empowering is uh, you can say, okay, uh, how do we deal with it? A lot of negative things happened, but I can turn this into a positive and I can make a difference rather than to lie down and just whine and, and complain about it. And so, you know, you become, you know, I, I, I'm sure you're, you know, in doing this movie, uh, you, we start, I, I, I've started to, you know, I've got a property myself and everything else. So what I did is I started to read books on screenplay and story. And you start to understand the archetype is that everybody's on a hero's journey. We're here. Uh, we all have our own journey. And in every journey, there's no story without adversity. You want to talk about that? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, like I said, you know, I expected to get kicked down. I didn't expect things to go smoothly. Um, sure. I've been attacked by a whole lot of women saying, Hey, you're a deadbeat dad. Just pay your child support and shut up. And, and, you know, I mean, sure. There's a lot of people out there who don't like what I do for every, you know, for every two people that like it, there's one that don't, but, uh, I try to get that across. You know, I've been accused of being a woman basher more than once and I'm not trying to bash women. I try to say kids need mom just as much as they need dad, but dad's getting a race, not mom. And that's the problem. Um, so, you know, you mentioned the cooking show I did the comedy kitchen and, uh, we did a few seasons that I would have loved to have kept it going, but you're only as strong as the people around you. My director had a heart attack. He was healing up the camera people. They were in for a while then they found other projects of their own. So I would have liked to have kept going, but I was only good as the people around me. I lost the people around me and I couldn't keep going. So that's why I started up Funny Like a Clown podcast. I can run that by myself. And uh, it's like anything, you know, uh, the cooking show started small. I worked hard, built it into something big. The podcast the same way. I started small. I've turned it into something big. And uh, I've really brought in this movie is going to be my, you know, I think the peak of my comedy career. It's going to be the thing that either makes or breaks the whole thing where, uh, you know, so I brought in some talent to people. I'm only as strong as the people around me. Like I said, I got Adam Griswold. He's an award-winning uh, director from film festivals uh, all over New England, L.A., all over the place. Uh, Ricky Mapleton from uh, New Hampshire. He's a friend of mine. He's in a band called Screamo. He's playing the uh, the sidekick to my superhero. Uh, check him out. He's, uh, Screamo is the name of his band, so your listeners want to Google. He's got some really great music. He did the theme song for the uh, movie, and I'll tell you, the theme song was just genius. So I can't wait for people to hear it. He sent it to me, and I, I was sitting in my chair belly laughing. I feel my belly jumping up and down. I was laughing so hard at this song. So, you know, I, I got a lot of talented people around me, and, you know, when you mix up that much talent, something good is bound to happen. So I'm hoping something good comes out of this movie. Do you feel that, uh, again, I'm trying to go, um, you know, to, to find the causes. Do you feel that you're uh, – ever feel that you're, you're you're being guided, that you're being helped on on a – on another level? Um, yeah, I mean, you always feel like you're here for a higher purpose. I mean, everybody, like you said, everybody's got a purpose in life. It's just a matter of finding that purpose. I mean, I had loved stand-up comedy, you know, since I was a kid to this day. I wish I would have got it started sooner. You know, when I finally, I think it was destiny. I got the pamphlet in the mail and finally got started on my journey here. And, uh, yeah, I'll be thinking, you know, what's the next move? You know, I've done this. What's my next move? And then all, some idea will pop in my head. I was like, wow, that's a great idea. Where did that come from? Well, maybe it came from God. I don't know, but I yeah, keep coming up with ideas and they keep all. working. So. Yeah, that's all. And I think once you start to get a feel for that, then um, that's where you get your strength to 
to keep on with the fight, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, you know, I mean, you, you think about, well, maybe this is it, then you hit another good idea, and it's like, oh, well, I got to do that. That's too good of an idea not to do. That keeps you going to the next project, and, uh, you, you know, know, it keeps Pixar, getting bigger and better. Pixar <laughs> we solved the problem. You know, I, I, rec- I think I recently uh, got on the uh, Disney stream, whatever they call it, and uh, Pixar has a great, great, um, I think it's the behind the scenes or something like that. Inspiration, I think it's called. It's about a 30-minute documentary. And they interview key players in the production of their stories and animation. And there's a gal, an Italian-American gal there, who I guess originally came from Italy. And she does the best eight minutes ever on inspiration and creativity I've ever seen. And she talks about how uh, once you start down the path, how all of a sudden it's like you're, you're channeling and that, and she looks at the camera without getting religious, but she does get innocent spiritual. She says, I don't know where the ideas come from. She says, but they're coming from somewhere. Somebody's, somebody's in charge and it's absolutely marvelous. And you know, when you, when you're doing what you're doing, then you're tapping into that, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a passion you have, and I mean, uh, sometimes subconsciously you're thinking about stuff you don't even know about, and it pops in your head, but I mean, you know, I remember I took the class on comedy, I think it was Judy Carter, Jerry suggested a, a book on comedy, and it said, you know, if you want to be an average comedian and have fun, go ahead and do it, but if you want to be, you know, the best of what you do, you you got to think it 24-7, okay, if you're at work, you got to be thinking comedy, when you go to bed, you got to be thinking comedy, you wake up, you got to be, you know, so, I mean, I go the extra mile, 24-7. I'm thinking comedy. I'm thinking, you know, what's the next way to get my message across? I don't – I either do it or I don't. I do it all, you know, 100% or I don't do it at all. You know, a lot of these people, they want to go out at 50% and expect good results. And, you know, you're not going to get anywhere in life doing anything, not just comedy. you got to give it 100%. So, I, I certainly – I give it my all. And when you put that much into something, like I said, something good's bound to happen. Good ideas are about to, bound to come out, you know? Well, uh, I'm a – I found a book. I don't know if you ever saw the movie. Uh, oh, what the heck? Uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> Will Smith is in it with, uh, uh, you know, one of the great Boston com- um, actors. And, uh, uh, oh, God. Anyway, he, he talks about, he ended up writing a book called um, the War of Art. And in it, he says, not the art of war, but the War of Art. He says, it's a battle. And he says, every day, there's a thing called resistance. And he says, it's real. And he says, the only way to overcome it, to create, express yourself and be creative, is to go to work every day. And he says, if you do it long enough, he says, the muse, whatever you want to call the muse, you know, God, the universe or whatever will come to your assistance. And all of a sudden, exactly the things you're talking about, the subconscious, et cetera, and more ideas, one step leads to the next. And, um, and so you want, you want to talk about that, that at all? Yeah, I think, uh, I don't forget the guy's name, but the guy who invented the Apple phone there, he was talking about, it. he flew over to Japan or something. And he went to this old temple high up in the mountains and he was meditating. And he said, all of a sudden the idea for the Apple phone just popped into his head there. 
And he said he has no idea where it come from. I'm going to create a device you can hold in your hand that's going to have the world of information at your fingertips and it'll make it simple as heck to use. And it's like, you know, there was a higher power working there. I mean, I've, I've watched shows where they talk about, you know, everybody's great ideas, you know, or, you know, surrounding the universe. You know, the universe is full of all past life forms and everything, and sometimes you tap into them. I mean, I, you know, if you want to be spiritual about it, if you believe that or not, I mean, but, uh, you know, I, I definitely believe in a higher power. I mean, and I think, you know, you put enough effort into anything, then uh, you tap into that higher power. That's I mean, I, I do a, I do a job, and I make good money, and it was to the point I had made good money enough I was going to take some time off. And I took some time off from work, and you know what happened? I turned into a couch potato. I said I was going to do all these things, and I'm like, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. I started watching TV and gaining weight. Finally, I said, you know what? i got to get back to work because this ain't doing me any good, you know? It's like you, you need something to, to be passionate about and put your energy into. That's what keeps you going in life. And if you don't, it's going to bring you down and be depressed, so. You got something? Go for it. That 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 last uh, statement was was perfect. You know, I think. Don't you think that the world kind of needs to hear that right now? Yeah, you know, it's you know, it's a different generation than we grew up in, for sure. I mean, uh, I, I think we grew up in a generation where we didn't have much, so when we had kids, we wanted to give them everything, and we turned them into a bunch of spoiled brats. Where now they all think they're entitled. I often say, you know. Please and thank you has been replaced with you owe me and I'm entitled. So uh, you know, oh my God, you just hit on one of my favorite uh, topics. <laughs> I said the two, two. There's a lot of phrases that are have disappeared from the American lexicon. One of them is you just I I didn't think of that, but please, yes, please is gone. Yeah, you uh, owe me now. It is. You owe me. No more yeah, please. You right, owe me. Right, please is gone, and, and and excuse me is certainly gone. So there's no more excuse me and I'm sorry is definitely gone uh, oh, nobody admits they're wrong everybody's right absolutely yeah. so but you know I'm a big kinda, person to admit you're wrong there ain't many big people left you know? right but both of us are trying to be upbeat right now so we won't but trust me no there's everybody tells me will you lay off the millennials because <laughs> nobody well, you know them. why Forget the guy, but he once said, "If we argue for over five minutes, both of us are wrong." Okay, so I mean, there it is, right there. If you, you know, negativity—you can go all day on negativity, but you know, if you, if you be negative to each other for over five minutes, you're both wrong. I mean, positivity—you yeah. know—that's what's going to change the world, not negativity. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's well, why uh, Martin Luther King had a great, great saying. He said, "What? Uh, darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. You know, hate can't drive out hate." Exactly, and boy, we're seeing seeing tons of hate right now. Unfortunately, um, all right. So this this movie. Uh, first of all, how did you find the director? Uh well, I'm I'm a big dude. Okay, I'm like I'm six three and a few hundred pounds, so I can take care of myself. So I wouldn't recommend this to people. But uh, back in the day, uh, he was just starting out, and I was just starting out in comedy, and I went on to. Um, What's the website there? Uh, boy, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, not eBay, but the local one there. Uh, Craigslist. I went on Craigslist, and uh, I put in comedian, I put in actor, and all of a sudden it popped up that uh, this guy, he said, he was honest. You know, he's just started out directing. He's got a passion for it. He was looking to put together a small-budget film, and he was looking for people to join him. 
So I contacted him. I met him at a Starbucks coffee shop. We talked. We hit it off. I did a small role in his movie, and uh, I always kept him in mind. And that was years ago. Since then, he's really built in. He's got his own little company there. And like I said, he's won film festivals throughout New England and L.A. He's flown out there. He's winning film festivals all over the place. And uh, he's so booked to work now, you couldn't even get him if you wanted him. But where I met him, you know, when he was a nobody, he's helping me out with this movie. So... I called him up. I asked him if he was interested. He said, yeah, I got some very talented uh, person on, on it, and that's what I need. And, uh, you know, we've shot some scenes, and he sent it over, and I'm almost like, how did he do that? That's a, exactly what I had in my head. This gets put on film by just reading a script, you know, and it's just that he's doing stuff I wouldn't even thought of doing. I was like, that's so genius. How did he think of that? I, I wouldn't know how to do it if I did. But, uh, yeah, I got to, you know, we got a lot of talent in this movie, and, um it's, you know, you know I can tell it's going to be something magical at the end. I really can. You know, Steve Jobs, uh, good or bad, whatever they say about him, but he's one of my heroes, especially I think he's the greatest 20th century philosopher uh, in many ways. And but one of the precepts uh, he has is that uh, you, you never know where the dots in your life are going to connect looking forward. But when you look back, it all makes sense. And what you just described goes totally with that. You took that step. And again, this is what, uh, you know, what I try to have as a reason for the name upbeat is, you know, I'd love to see everybody awake. I'd love to see everybody see the world as a place, uh, a platform, a canvas to create and, and give something to the world rather than, you know, the way it's going. And so, that spark that's in you, and that's all I'm trying to identify here. You've got a spark within you that, that doesn't let you sit on the couch, that doesn't let you uh, swallow in self-pity. You go for it. So you take that step. You go to Craigslist. Uh, you believe in yourself. And all of a sudden, this guy shows up. And to me, that's not an accident. And then, yeah, I think everybody meets everybody on purpose. It wasn't uh, you, you. You hit the word purpose. It wasn't an accident that we met. I think it was meant to be that we met. You know, I do believe that everybody meets for a purpose. Yeah, and then years later, he's the guy. He goes on his path. He becomes really good at what he does. He he certainly sees the world as a platform for him to express himself and to to create some good. And all of, and you you're following the same, so you got the same kind of vibration. Uh, you know, it's a positive vibration, uh, and poof, all of a sudden you reconnect and look at you. And some magic's happening. Yeah, if we ever get it done, uh, we're gonna get it on Amazon Prime. Our plan was we were gonna rent out a movie theater. We we're gonna have all the fans come out, have a big thing, have a red carpet interview with the cast on the way in, question and answer after the movie, and then. This pandemic hit, and all the movie theaters are down. So, uh, but I mean, we still got months of filming left. So who knows? Maybe the world will change by then. We're hoping, but uh, we're trying to stay positive and get it done for sure. So um, the again, it's this child support superhero. What's the what's the mission statement of of what the, the child support hero? You know. Uh, Superman had up, up, and away. Actually, what he had is go forward. I found that out when I started my company, you know, because I was curious about all the superheroes, what their mantras were. So what's your mantra? What's your mission statement? Fighting for truth, justice, and equality for parents everywhere. That's, that's, that's what he does. I mean, 
He fights for a uh, child's right to both parents equally. And um, yeah, that's right. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's super, the, the TV Superman had that, didn't he? He says, uh, uh, the American way, the truth, justice, and the American way. Right, truth, justice, and the American way. Right, we go truth, justice, and equality. So, I mean, it's a uh, yeah. It's kind Wonderful. of a spinoff of how Superman had it made. He had all, you know, you know. Part part of the joke is, you know, Superman wears knee-high red leather boots. All I can afford is a pair of flip-flops. You know, Superman had a long red cape. I got an old beach towel with holes in it. Superman <laughs> had a big red on his ass on his chest. I got a green dollar sign. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of the joke that goes into you know how the system kind of beats you down. You even let it break you, you fight back. So I chose to fight back. So. I, I went through the divorce. I went through the pain of that, and et cetera. Do you think, what's the net outcome? Uh, th- does it make you a better person, or th- does it uh, detract from who you are? The whole experience. Uh, the whole experience, I mean, it's it's been, you know, I, I always said, you know, this everything we look at it is from whose point of view you look at it. So, I mean, had I lived my ex's life, you know, I'd probably see things her way. If she lived my life, she'd probably see things my way. You know, I mean, in, in the end, it was our fight. It wasn't our child's fight. And he's the one who suffered the most because of it. So that's the pain of the situation. So that's what needs to change. Uh, and, you know, until these lawmakers want to change some of these family law, which it's slowly happening now, but, I mean, it's very slow that it's happening. And, uh you know, I, I put out a question, you know, I've argued with a lot of people on this subject, and uh, like I said, we go back and forth and back and forth, and I usually hit them with this question, and this ends the argument. So I'll ask you the question, Thomas, and you give me the answer, okay? Here's the question, okay? How many more children and parents have to go decades without speaking because of parental alienation? How many more children have to commit suicide? How many more parents have to commit suicide before we realize as a people that this system is not working? What's the answer, Tom? The answer is uh, you just struck a chord. I'm a child of the 60s. You know, I'm a hippie. uh, The answer's blowing in the wind, Dennis. That's it. The answer is zero. We need to stop this now. We don't need it to to, move slowly. We need it to move quickly because... uh, Right, you know, it's that old... It's the Bob Dylan song. How many roads does a man have to walk down? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. And, you know, the wind... We've got to reach out for that wind and, and grab the answer. Yeah, fortunately, as a people, you know, money's coming before, you know, the, the good of people, you know. We're both well, in a world know, based on money. Rather you, than, you you know. hit, you've hit on something that is very dear to me. I'm a, you know, I'm an advocate for kids, you see. And when I see the current uh, political climate, the American landscape right now, and you're watching all of the factions making all of the noise, and every once in a while, again, somehow people seem to show up in my life that want to, you know, somehow express their holier-than-thou attitude and, that, that, right, and, and, and fight for their cause. And I say to them, listen, again, I'll go with you. I said, but... Um, you know, you, you seem to want to talk about uh, things like career. You want to talk about things like money. You want to talk about your victimization, the inequity, the unfairness. But it all seems to be around you. Now, what I'm concerned with, the things that bother me daily, and I don't know why, people say that because people, 
it's so funny because people will, and you must hear this all the time. Well, why, why do you care? Well, in your case, you really do care because it's personal. You know, this. Sure, it's my point of view. I mean, I'm seeing things from my point of view, and that's how I'm going to express them, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, what's happened is um, it became personal. But I tell people the things that I'm concerned about. Number one, I'm very concerned about we're not seeing it now. In fact, this is one of the benefits of COVID, isn't it? That there's no school shootings. That's kind of nice, isn't it? Um, so, but I'm concerned about school shootings. I'm concerned about uh, the opioid crisis. I'm concerned that uh, 25% of the teenagers today in America want to kill themselves. Uh, I'm concerned about the growing uh, alienation. I'm concerned about the isolation. I'm concerned that uh, the elderly are choosing to suicide over life. Uh, these are the yeah, things. Yeah, family, family don't really mean much anymore, you know? And, I mean, and, that, and that exactly. Family that is, was everything. They, it, it, that they've is, broken family. That is my core sore point right there. And that's why when I saw your, uh, your list of what you wanted to do, that's the one that infuriates me the most is the destruction of the American. And there seems to be a, 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 a some growing force, some motivation to, to eliminate the, the traditional American family. And that's where I pick up the crusade. And you have. It's, it's, a, it's a lost time we live in for sure. I mean, it's, 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 it's different than we grew up with and, I'm not against change, but I mean, you know, it's like you said, you know, how many, how many of these teenage suicides are up? Teenage pregnancy is up. It's, it's just, uh, you know, the, the core values are gone and an educated man can see it's all behind money. You know, it's people getting rich off of breaking our, breaking us as a family, you know, that, that's a, that's a problem. So, uh, you know, you say everybody wants to be a victim and I mean, you know, do you want to deal with it in a positive way or a negative way? So, I mean, I try to do it in the positive way where I make people laugh and educate them through laughter. And then you got these knuckleheads that storm in the Capitol building doing it in a negative way. And I mean, you know, that's just, just getting the hate across and you know, you know, you, you may get your message out, but it's the wrong way to get it out. You know, you're spreading hate and all you're going to get back hate from it. So, Well, you, you know, and uh, I had a friend who had a friend who was a divorce attorney and she actually made the statement one day that, uh, She's all about, she loves hate because hate keeps her in business. Keeps her employed, exactly, yeah. Keeps her employed. She loved Oh, I look now, all the thousands I spent on lawyers going through the courts and didn't do me much good, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, So That's how they make their living. (laughs) So what do you think, you know, again, we're, we're, you know, we are proponents of the traditional family. We're proponents of the importance of fathers were a proponents of, but isn't it weird we're, that we live in a society now we're on the defense. We have to defend it. Yeah. I mean, it's about getting the point across and getting the movement out there and getting everybody talking about it. I mean, I, I don't agree with what these kids are doing, but like it or hate it, this black lives movement thing, everybody's talking about it. They got their message out there. I mean, I don't approve everything they do to handle it, but I mean, I'll give them. They got everybody talking about it, so. Well, you know, let me let me just say this now that you brought it up. <laughs> this will not be up. <laughs> it, I did a podcast recently with a brilliant man, Brian Culkin, has written many books about gentrification and globalization and technology, 
and the way we're, we're heading more and more to dystopia. And he made a distinction. He says there's a big difference between Black Lives Matter and the organization Black Lives Matter. He says, big right. distinction. He says, every, of course, he says Black Lives Matter. That's, you know, that, that is untouchable. That is a, a, a self-evident truth. Nobody can question that. But the organization itself, and he didn't go into it, but I will. It turns it into a corporation, it becomes a problem, right? <laughs> and it also, somebody tipped me off that one of the, and I won't word it exactly, but the point is we, right on their front page of their website, we are against the, the concept of the traditional family. We are proponents for alternative family. We, uh, we, see, we see the world, we don't see the world that way. And, and of course, for somebody like you and me, you know, that just makes the hair on my head, what I, it was left, stand up. But I also, it was funny because I told the people who, not many people realize that that's the agenda. That we, put, we, we are advocates for uh, transgender. We are advocates for uh, LGBT. They're advocates for all of these um, things. And when I mentioned to people, so my daughter went there the other day and said, well, that's not there. I don't see it. And so I went back and I looked for it. And it wasn't there. And so I did a research on, on uh, Google, and I found out the term. I found an article that said it was there, and the term he used, it was scrubbed. Okay? And so basically, they started to take a little heat for that. Right. And this is what we're up against. The people who believe in what we believe in, that the health, that a, a family is healthy, and, and uh, you know, the, a traditional family. Not that there are alternatives. I'm not going to say that. But there is right. a certain uh, wholesomeness to it. it. Hell, it took how many centuries for hum, humans to figure out that's the, that was the evolutionary process that would take humans to the next level. It was community and family. And now those institutions are totally being... They don't exist. Right, and, and that, it, it angers the new think. You see, it angers the 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 the, 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 the crusaders for, to tear it down. So there is an agenda to attack that. In fact, you know that I saw a thing on Facebook. Uh, uh, somebody was promoting changing Father's Day to significant others uh, Others Day. <laughs> Not Mother's I Day. saw that. I saw that. The term daddy has been replaced with, uh, who is, oh wait, uh, what? The term mother has been replaced. They call him baby mama now. They don't even call yeah, him mother. Exactly. Right? Baby mama. What is a baby mama? What, it's a mother. What are you talking about? Like, some of the terminology, yeah, to leave you scratching. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, and, and let's, let's go with what, um, you know, what's happening in Congress, you know, is that uh, uh, they, they put a, uh, a proposal, and I think it's actually in effect that you cannot use any gender-centric terms. You can't say father, mother, daughter, any of those. There has to be okay, only one. You can't say anything without offending so You yeah, can't say hello without offending. Yeah, they, these are the people who are attacking the sacred institution because to them it's not sacred anymore. Let's get rid of it. Well, what's the old saying? Uh, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. You know, I mean... You, 
you know, back in the, what, the, the 40s and 50s, which, you know, you probably remember your mom and dad. Dad went off to work. He made the bread. Mom stayed home as a housewife. I mean, so that, that was when child support came into existence because moms didn't work back then. They were housewives. So if you broke up, dad had to give you part of your pay because they ones earned the bread. Well, nowadays, women are equal part of the workforce, but they never changed the laws to adjust for that because the state's making billions of dollars, uh, you know, the federal government gives dollar for dollar every penny the state takes in on child support. You think they got an agenda to keep it high? Oh, they're making a whole lot of money. You better believe they got an agenda. Right. Well, you know, everybody wants fair play except when it hurts them. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Take the money out of my pocket, now we'll change the laws. Yeah, right, wrong, or otherwise. But... <laughs> yeah, how long does it happen before the people fight back and there's a revolution? I mean, we're starting to see, you know, the starts of many revolutions, so who knows where we're heading? I don't know. Exactly. Well, so, again, I want to come back to the, the mission statement is equality and justice and um, and through the power of comedy. So in spite of – now, let me, here, here's, here's a real question for you. If you could have um, – not knowing who you are now, knowing what you're doing now, knowing your outlook now, would you have rather had that part not be, uh, no, I, don't get me wrong. I can see that if it never happened, you'd have your son's love and you'd have the advocate. But other than that, if that never happened, would you want to go through life without that happening? Um, you know, I, Looking back, I mean, who who don't want their, their children? I mean, children are your children everything in life. There's nothing more important. So, I mean, I, I wish, you know, I've been robbed of a son. More importantly, he's been robbed of a father. I mean, I mean so, you know, do I wish all that pain was erased? Uh, yes, I do. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, if out of any bad comes a good, then, I mean, you know, out of the badness of that situation, I'm – I am spreading awareness. I am helping other people who've gone through the same thing that I've gone through, and I'm letting them know, hey, you're not alone, and I can see, you know, I am helping people. So there's a lot of satisfaction in that. So, I mean, I don't want to say I'd go through all, you know, I want to go through all that hell again that I've been through. I wouldn't, but, I mean, there is some good that came out of it, yeah. So it's turning a negative into a positive. Well, the the person you are today, as opposed to the person you might have been without it, Oh, well, I'm, I'm a much older and wiser person now. So, I mean, you know, if anybody compared themselves, you know, in their 50s compared to when they were 20s, I mean, I'm much wiser to everything now than I was back then. So, I mean, but, uh, well, I yeah, think I'm a stronger is, person because of it. Yeah. I mean. So this is, this is what's missing today, I think, is that adversity creates, is there for a reason. And adversity builds character. Do you think, there, I think that's a way I can ask the question a little, be a little more incisive, a little clear, a little more, um, you know, that, would you be the character you are today without that experience? Um, probably not to the extent I am. I mean, I was always like, okay. I like to joke, and, and prepper, you, but I mean, do, do, it'll probably you, be on a different subject, you know. Right. But, but, but I often you, wonder, you know, I say, you know, would you, you know, he's going to mature. He's going to get to the age where he's going to see, you know, there's two sides to every story. All he's ever heard is one. He's going to come back. And then some days I t- say to myself, you know what? He may never talk to me again, you know, but maybe this was the path I was chosen. Maybe, you know, 
Maybe it was meant to happen, and I was meant to be the guy to spread awareness. I don't know. So, well, again, you know, uh, adversity builds character, and this is what I wanted to talk to you about today: is that the character you are now is yeah. not the character you were, nor would it be the character you would have been. Who knows? We don't know that. That's only conjecture. So, yeah. you you have a sense of. You know, uh, to me, I, I think you should be very proud of the character you are now because of what you went through. So in some ways... Well, it either breaks you or you use it to fuel yeah. you. I use so, it to fuel me. Right. So, so rather than what happens to a lot of people, they 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 take the hit and they want to just be a victim. Or you embrace, sorry. Right. You embrace it and you say, this can make me better. Yeah, I always said, how do you turn a negative into a positive? How do you roll with the punches? All right, this hit me, you know, I mean, life's going to keep kicking you down. You can either let it kick you down or you can learn how to roll with the punches. I learned how to roll with the punches. But it's Every a, time a something hits me, how do I turn it into a positive? <laughs> well, you know, all good stories start with the character. You know, there's a character arc that the character starts off and he's going along his way or her way and they are who they are. And then if you're going to make a good story, he gets whacked. She gets whacked. All right. They get thrown into an upside down world. So the rest of the story becomes, how do they get out of this? How do they evolve? And what are they going to do? It's the old thing. It's the caterpillar that becomes the butterfly. And so how do they evolve? And at some point in every good movie, about 20 minutes before it ends, and you're probably going to have it written into your movie, there's an all is lost moment. The character comes across oh, that yeah. point where you're broken. Yeah, it's a dark night of the soul. I mean, it's in all great stories. And well, you got to make a choice, you know. Do you let it break you, right. or do you and, turn and then it if he, if he or she handles it the right way and decides to, and 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 again, again, I'm glad I'm going down this road because what the hero starts off in his journey, he wants to achieve. A, uh, a certain goal. He wants to either get the castle or he wants to, to, to get the, the maiden and uh, whatever it is, money, success, houses, whatever. And along the way, he finds out that that's not what it's about. What it's really about is all of the, in, it, it's not about the tangible things he could have achieved. It's about the intangible things that he learned, things like love, Things like forgiveness, things like courage, things like passion. And I think those come with time, though. I think with maturity, you know, everybody reaches those. That's why I hope my child someday, when he gets older, he'll reach all those things you just mentioned. And maybe, you know, we can have a little bit of a relationship. We, we both well, can rob so much. He will. And I think, you know, I can almost, it just historically happens over and over again because deep down, he knows, you know, <laughs> I recently had a conversation with, I think, I don't know if we covered this in my, uh, in my conversation, but this is really appropriate for what we're doing here. Um, uh, you know, my agent at the time, we were in a uh, club and he it mentioned about a new comic that he acquired for his stable. And uh, he says, oh, he's a cool guy. He's, he's my wingman. We go into these bars and these discos and, you know, the, he's, he's good looking. And, 
and, and the women love him, you know, when I get along and we pick up all these women and he's great. You know, he's got, he's got five baby mamas. And I said, you know, at the time I didn't know the term. I said, what are you talking about baby mamas? Well, he says, he's got <laughs> kids by five different women. He's cool. He's cool. I go, so I stopped and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. I said, what about the kids? And Knee-jerk reaction from him was, and you can probably tell, you probably know for sure who this is. He goes, oh, oh, you don't have to worry about the kids because he doesn't have to pay any child support. The women just wanted to have babies with them, and uh, and so he doesn't have to pay any money, which is even better. So he's got all these kids, and he doesn't have to pay any money. And I said, uh, I'm going to ask you again, what about the kids? Well, what? I don't understand what you're saying. I said, they don't have a father. Yeah. He says, and he said to me, it's not about well, you or her. It's about the kid. That's the problem. Yeah, so he said, so. his answer was, well, I didn't have a father and I'm fine. <laughs> so oh, yeah, being, sure. who I am, being who I am, I went further. I said, really? I said, really? You didn't have a father and you never wondered what it, what it would be like to have a father. I said, you I'm never followed a kid who did have a father and ask yourself or wish that you had that love? You never thought that? I said, what would you have been, Rob? I'm not going to say his name. I'm going to slip. I said, what would you have been if you'd had a father? And he looked at me and he said, I probably wouldn't be a stand-up comedian. So we know so many comedians are out there looking from the audience. And it was a moment of truth for that individual. And to me, that's the tragedy because you can't, you know, years ago, it, it was an amazing book when it was written. I used to be, I used to listen to All Things Considered until they went a little too far the opposite way for me. But one of the, they had, I was shocked that they had them on. There was two guys who wrote a book on fatherhood and they made the statement, you can never substitute a father's love ever. There is no... Oh, no. There is no substitute for it. And it's part of what John, how many moms does it take to make a dad? Zero. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Zero. And so, funny, huh? so to see that that institution, that concept of fatherhood, under the attack that it is, that they want to even take away the the name of a Father's Day, and the anger all around that, and not knowing again, it's a selfish thing that they want to take away their hate and everything and go after fathers or, you know, whatever males. Um, but nobody's thinking about the kid. That's, that's the one that's most, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to take a big change and I don't think we'll see it in our lifetime, but like I said, hopefully we can set the stages for future generations to do it. Exactly. Any last words on this? That uh... um, Well, like I said, look for the movie. I mean, uh, we're probably half a year away from completion. And, you know, we're taking it day by day with the pandemic. But uh, it'll make you laugh. I, You know, I tried to be fair. I put the father's point of view. I put the mother's point of view. And I put the child's point of view. So you're going to laugh. You're going to get educated. we got a lot of talent on the show. Uh, I, I really think it's going to be a big hit. So look for it on Amazon Prime. It's called The World Needs a New Superhero. And uh, it's got uh, myself, Dennis Worth. Uh, I got my buddy Ricky Mapleton up in New Hampshire. He's in the movie. We got Adam Griswold, great director. Uh, 
uh, at least check it out. You know, that's all I can say is, is check it out and help spread awareness. Well, Dennis, this was a blast. I think we went a full hour. And, um, well, hopefully we educated someone and, uh, looking into things. That'd be great. Well, well, thank you for having me on. You're always, uh, keep the crusade. I'm, I'm thrilled with it. I bring awareness. Uh, let's try to stay positive through the insanity. And, uh, hopefully we, uh, come out with the, the good guys win. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, yeah, keep them laughing. Make them laugh. Don't bring them down. Bring them up. Keep them laughing and we'll change the world through laughter. That's okay. Funny. And that's, that's it from Upbeat with Dennis Worth and Tom Hayes. Thank you so much, Dennis. Great, great, uh, great podcast. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good, good one. Bye-bye. Bye.